everybody. Hey, everyone. This is Zach. And this is Stuart. And this is a podcast episode. Uh, it is. <laughs> uh, so it is not a music t- episode. It's not a music episode. Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, this episode, we're actually going to be covering one of Stuart's recommendations. Yeah. Um, the Good Omens television show, or... It's only the end of the world again. Yeah, only. Gosh, it feels like it's been the end of the world multiple times. I know, this right? This entire year. <laughs> yeah, gosh. It was um, funny. I saw a, um, I guess, a motto for this year. Uh, I Again, side note. Um, so in Japan, um, at amusement parks, they're telling people to, when they're writing a, um, a, uh, oh i saw this yeah (laughs) that should not scream because you would spread like the virus and everything so yeah just scream in their hearts yes (laughs) and people were like well we found the uh, new 2020 motto just scream exactly scream in your heart (laughs) oh i love japan (laughs) i know gosh Um, crazy but yeah, I, I really, um, this is a show uh, that Amazon actually put out. Um, yeah, yeah, which is really interesting. I, um, it, it, well, and it's funny, it occurred to me today when I was kind of like looking over notes and stuff before we mm-hmm. started, yeah. that um, this would have been a perfect choice for like a book club, but. <laughs> yeah, because um, the show actually follows pretty, um, pretty closely oh, to the book. It's really close. Like, granted, I haven't read the book in, ooh, probably probably two decades at this point. Oh, okay. Um, but I, I don't remember anything. Like, there's nothing that sticks out in my head as being in the book that they did not cover in the show. Yeah, I mean, they hit a lot of the uh, main highlights of the books. Um, yeah. There's a couple of like side adventures especially with the um four horsemen that they kind of cut out right right yeah so um and i think they did that largely because like you're not like in the book based on how pratchett and gaiman write Mm -hmm. um you're supposed to kind of empathize with them or kind of see why like their hearts, not even into doing the apocalypse. Yeah. But in the show, they have them set up as these, like the big bads, right? You're not the big bad, not the big bads, but like mini bosses at the very least. Yeah. And I do kind of like their interpretation. So I think they took the show, uh, took the most Liberty with the four horsemen. Um, because like, in the book, um, death is not an actual, um, or, well, there's no interaction between death and the um, postal service person. Yeah. So yeah. that was kind of a new, I guess, um, sideline in the show. And I think it really, it works well, uh, especially with, like, death as the concept because, you know, death is probably the uh, most interesting out of the four horsemen. Though I do yeah, really probably. like what they did with, like, um, uh, not pestilence, but um, famine. Famine? I, yeah, I really do enjoy famine as, like, it's not famine in the sense that it's, you know, you don't have any food. It's famine in the sense that you're not eating real food. 
Yeah, so, like I really like the the way that yeah. they did famine. Like you said, like it's it's yeah, you're getting fatter and fatter and fatter, but you're malnourished because yeah, it's because it's not yeah plastic and cardboard. Yeah, <laughs> so I thought that was really cool. So there were a lot of like, and I actually I read the book in preparation for the show because I ended up watching the show when it first came out, um, and I knew right the show was coming out so um i decided that i was going to give the books a read and just sort of see like the difference between everything so so yeah yeah, yeah. Well, I, um, and i know that there are a couple of of uh podcasts out there um that, that i've seen i've never like really listened to them or anything whoa whoa, whoa. But, there's uh, other podcasts out there, there are in fact other podcasts one? out there <laughs> <laughs> I wish, but, uh, but yeah, like they, they'll do an episode by episode break. And, and I, I guess it's better to say mini series because they'll do like an episode by episode breakdown of good omens and only mm -hmm. good omens. Yeah. I um, mean, and it's interesting because there's only, I think six episodes, um, six or seven. Uh, that sounds about right. I, I wanted to say that there was eight, but maybe there's let eight. Me, I'm, now that you say six, that sounds more. It correct. sounds kind of low. That's six. Okay. Nope, nope. It's six. six. Ah, yeah. Eight. Um, it's and they're fairly long. I think they're around like an hour. Um, yeah, yeah, because they don't have to do the commercial break, so it's not like a forty-five minute episode. It's it's mm -hmm. a full-on hour. Yeah. So, um, I yeah so this was a, a pick that I uh, wanted to talk about just because one I really loved the book so this was one of the uh, books that first introduced me into um, Terry Pratchett's like world of um, imagination oh because, hey me too <laughs> yeah because I had previously read a bunch of um, Neil Gaiman's books like. Mm -hmm that's what kind of um started me on this book was i had previously read some of his books you know uh, american gods anansi boys things along those lines and then i saw that he had co-written a book with terry pratchett and i read good omens and i was like wow i really enjoy this book so i started looking up uh more books on about you know that terry pratchett wrote and yeah it kind of sent me down the rabbit hole and everything yeah well so i had never like when it, when i first read this and I, I still am not a huge fan of terry pratchett like i can respect the output that mm -hmm. he had um i much prefer neil gaiman's short stories and comics like i don't i there's not a novel of his that i think i absolutely love right i agree i i agree with um, that. he he's much better in like short bursts like i love his short story collections mm -hmm. um but like when they were writing the the novel, because uh, the, the novel actually came out in 1990. So, uh, I, and I kind of want to set up the 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 kind of like backstory. Or yeah, whatever, yeah. Right? I'm sorry, we just kind of um, dived into it. But if you well, wanna... yeah, no. I mean, it's an interesting property that kind of weaves around. <laughs> but but yeah, like so so the book actually came out in 1990, mm -hmm. um, and. Uh, you know, obviously this show came out in 2019 with Gaiman show running and writing it, yeah. but um, largely because Terry Pratchett passed away. Um, this yeah. is why he took that, that on. 
But uh, when they were writing the book, because they were separated by many, many miles, <laughs> um, they would just mail each other floppy disks yeah, and that's so to, cool. to, to collaborate on uh, it. Uh -huh. But something I found out that's interesting, because, you know, like I said, I don't like Terry Pratchett's style necessarily, but yeah. I do love this book, is um, all of the parts in the book that seem as if they're written by Terry Pratchett with, like, the numerous footnotes and things like that yeah, are actually written by Neil Gaiman and vice versa. Yeah. Like they were aping each other's style. Yeah. They were trying to like <laughs> write in each other's style and everything. And I thought that was really cool too. That shows amazing flexibility as a writer. I think it does. Um, it really does. And I mean, I didn't know that originally when I read it, it was only when I was doing research that I had uh, found that out. And yeah, I thought that was so cool. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and like, and what I was looking at, and I would love to get, see if they actually have scripts and stuff, probably not, because I think that would actually would fall under like a production cost. But um, there, there for years, like even when I was in high school and middle school, like in the late 90s, I remember that, that there were rumors of it being adapted mm -hmm. uh, as a movie. Because I was that kid that read like Wizard Magazine and they were just like, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know if you remember Wizard no, Magazine. I, I read Wizard Magazine too. That's why I was laughing. Um, yeah, like they would have these sidebars of like things that are being worked on, right? Yeah. And it's like so-and-so studio is going to adapt uh, Good Omens. And it's like, oh, wow, that would be really cool. But yeah. um, uh, like it, it just never happened then um, in... 2011 there was supposed to be a tv series written by terry jones and gavin scott uh but there was nothing past uh pre-production on that mm -hmm. so i don't know if they would have any scripts written or anything or if they, I, I think technically that fall that would fall under actual production yeah um there might be some storyboards out there like loose notes but i would love to see what came from that because you know terry jones yeah. is one of the original monty python members yeah um and so I can only imagine that it would be fun. like, and he's, he's one of the more acerbic and irreverent, uh, Monty Python members. Mm -hmm. So I can only imagine how many, how many problems people would have had with this show had it come out in 2011 written by Terry Jones. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't think he's involved anymore because I, I don't know if you saw last, last couple of dragon cons, he was a guest, but he, he's had several strokes i think and so he's yeah it's pretty difficult for him to communicate anymore. yeah and um i mean um, this the series was not without its problems um when it first came out um i remember there was a boycott um on the show um i don't know if you remember that but um it was a boycott because of course religious crazies didn't like the fact that god was a woman surprise surprise so they were like oh yeah let's boycott this this uh show on netflix let's let's boycott this show on netflix <laughs> and i think like the show's twitter response was like yeah yeah boycott it on netflix go 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 for that guys and they didn't even realize that it was on um amazon yeah. which is well like yeah i had that as a note too like there was actually a petition and they had twenty thousand signatures I, I um, know, it wasn't so crazy 
Well, it wasn't just the fact that uh, there was a female voice for God. It was also that it was an irreverent treatment of Satanism um, and the Uh. devil. And yeah, like the funny part about it, like you said, is that Netflix has kind of become the Kleenex of streaming services. Yeah. So so they were demanding that Netflix cancel the show. (laughs) Yeah. And Netflix is like, um, they don't no, have that show. We don't have that show. It's not in our li- library. Oh. Yeah. Oh <laughs> um, boy. Yeah. No. I mean, I, I think that's that's hilarious. Things like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, let me see, let me look through my notes because I, I did have that closer to the end. I, I'm sorry. I, I oh, no, 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 you're fine. because you were talking about like you know oh, how irreverent he is. Yeah, and how yeah. You know, I mean, and even like now at times, it's like, well, yeah. And I don't think this show was really like Satanist or anything along those lines. It's really not. It, like, yeah, it's, it's amazing, like, what people kind of like get angry about. And it's like, uh, that's not it's really like, bad. Yeah, it's like, well, do you not? So, like, part of me wants to like stop them and go. Like, like apparently the first episode is the one that had the most complaints and the most viewer drop off mm-hmm. uh, after it, because like I'm looking at the uh, the viewership of it. And after the first episode, there's a huge decline in viewership, yeah. um, you know, something like 500,000 drop off. Um, and it's like, do, are you guys this dumb? Like, do you not realize that they're lampooning the omen? Yeah, like, like they're 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 making they're they're it's a parody of that. Like that's the entire first episode. Yeah, um, and you know there there are pieces of that throughout, but like the first episode, like it's referencing a movie that's at least forty years old at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, no, like the um, I think it helps that one of the original authors is the showrunner and the right the main writer in the room mm-hmm. for for this show because um you know he would have better ideas as to what to cut like you said there's there's some stuff with the the horsemen that just wouldn't i don't think would work the way that they made them the show yeah um given how they're they're framing the horsemen mm-hmm. um one of the the weird things about this is i this has the biggest critics disparity um really that i was able to find um so rotten tomatoes has it at 83 percent um metacritic has it at 66 percent which is really weird so so what that means because metacritic compiles all of like the major outlets doing reviews um and kind of gives you an average score so you can kind of see what the feeling at the time was for certain things when they come out um and it's really strange. Usually Metacritic is a little bit higher if like the Rotten Tomatoes is that high. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what that says that mainstream outlets were just so down on the show or just didn't get it. And maybe the audience was already kind of baked in already and ready for the show. Yeah. That's, um, that's I'm, interesting. I'm assuming that's what it would it would indicate. Yeah, because me. I feel like, you know, if if you've read the book, you're probably like in the show. Like you, you've uh, exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and and um, 
one of the the reasons the show even got made because like they they were planning the show from apparently from 2017 with mm-hmm. with amazon and bbc doing kind of a joint production mm-hmm. just because you know the bbc does not have the financial resources that it would take to make this show look good yeah um whereas amazon does and so you know but bbc has access to really good actors like michael sheen who played as azra fail yeah and uh, david Tennant. and i i loved their um their connection um, oh me too and, and there's a couple of things because um again i know we're kind of bouncing around um it's interesting because some of the special effects in this show are kind of shoddy. I hate to say. Which, I mean, it's it's also a BBC production, so there. I think there's a different level of what's acceptable in terms of special effects. <laughs> I guess, um, yeah. But I, I will say there were some moments where it's just like, oh, that that doesn't well, look good. And so to me, like, I don't know exactly how the dollars broke down in the budget, but like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if given the, the big names that are in this show, mm-hmm. um, if Amazon was maybe responsible for paying their salaries and then the BBC was just responsible for everything else. Yeah. Um, like that's, that's what the, the level of the CG is to me is it's like, yeah, maybe yeah. a little, a, a tiny step above like a Doctor Who episode. Yeah, and there's even <laughs> so uh, there's a part, and it's like later in the um, in the series, um, where the kid, um, gosh, I forget his name, um, Satan's kid. Uh, oh, uh, Adam. Adam, yes. Yeah. Um, where he's floating um, as he's like kind of getting his powers and everything like that. And yeah, it looks yeah. so bad, unfortunately, <laughs> because it looks, you you can kind of like see the wires and everything, not see the wires, but you can sort of like, you can envision where the harness was and how they like digitally removed the harness. Like it wasn't like a, a very like graceful float. It was a very like this person's on a rig kind of float. So yeah, it, it was kind of, jarring but like well you know, i will say all nitpicks for me yeah i mean i will say that that um as far as special effects go i really do like the the opening like oh yes it was opening. one that i always had to like i was just like nope i'm gonna watch this opening because so they used a mix of of actual physical props animation illustration 3d and live action mm-hmm. yeah. um and it has that. sort of mighty python sort of feel to it as well it where, does yeah that cut and paste type of yeah yeah where it's like paper almost sort of um yeah i thought it was super cool i really loved the opening it was something that i also uh you know watched multiple times <laughs> yeah like i just never yeah, skipped it, it up. like <laughs> like usually when a show is on netflix or amazon i'll just be like okay i don't care about that uh, yeah <laughs> you, you just skip it but yeah this one was really good yeah yeah um so well and and uh just going back to the production of it um so when pratchett died uh, apparently gaiman um just really cut off any efforts at adapting it mm-hmm. um until uh, he received a letter from Pratchett 
Um, his estate had it arranged that Gaiman would receive this letter after he had passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, urged him to see if the pro- if it could actually be properly adapted because he would know best given his, his um, intersection with like the film world, because he's mm-hmm. had a numerous set of movies adapted to, yeah. to film. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, like just this, this post-mortem, like, if you can make it work, make it work. <laughs> make it work. I know. And that's so cool. Like, it's really, yeah. Yeah. It's also kind of funny. Like, it's in keeping with Pratchett's sense of humor to send yeah, someone to after like, <laughs> <laughs> I know they're going to try to make this work. So if it can work, you know, I want you to sort of like head it. Yeah. Well, and also knowing that Gaiman would, like, knowing him well enough to know that Gaiman would go, okay, I'm going to back off this. Like, this doesn't feel right. Without yeah, this, you know, moving. this doesn't yeah. um, check all the boxes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he is a really interesting, like, character and everything, too. Uh, Gaiman is. Like, yeah. he seems very, again, I've never, like, met him personally or anything like that, but he seems very level-headed. He seems like somebody that you could actually have a conversation with. He's done, he, you know, many adaptations too. So, yeah, I mean, he is very um, personable. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I I met him briefly. So a friend of ours um, was able to get tickets to um, uh, he like he was speaking. I think I think it was yeah. No, I'm I'm absolutely certain uh, he was speaking at. Um, agnes scott oh cool and her husband was not able to go and so i was just like well i mean i'll go i would love to see how came and speak and yeah. he's very funny in person um and then in the the signing afterwards you know he was just doing kind of a meet and greet afterwards yeah um, as most you stop by get get your book signed and unfortunately i did not think to bring a book because i thought it was just like I, what I was envisioning was more like a panel type interaction where he would be doing a reading and maybe answering some questions and then that would be it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he actually set up like in the, the open area. And so like, I, I walked up while she was getting a couple of books signed um, and just, like, just watched their interaction because I was just like, uh, I'm not like getting anything signed by him. So I'm just going to like stand to the back, but he's, he's very personable and friendly. Oh, nice. Um, that's, that's really good to hear. It's good yeah. to hear that like people like that are kind of down to earth a bit. Yeah. Well, and there's a, um, there's a documentary on him on, uh, Netflix. Um, and it, it follows him on a kind of his last signing tour, which happened, I want to say like two or three years ago. Hmm. Um, and there are scenes like he, he's like a hundred percent doing it like for fans because he's a, a grateful celebrity. Yeah. Um, but like there are scenes of him after a single signing. And, and th- these are like tours of like 60 dates, right. Where he's, he's going, he's spending, two, three months going from all through Europe and then all through America, just signing books after speaking. And um, his assistants are having to get him buckets of ice for him to ice down his arm because like his, his, the tendons in his hands are physically like, yeah, just deteriorating and giving out because he's signing 
like he he checks in with his his uh, assistants every now and then while he's icing his hand down. He's like, it feels like there's more tonight. And she's like, yeah, well, you signed like ten thousand books tonight. And he's like, okay, okay, <laughs> because like people will bring multiple books, and and I they never mention whether there's a cutoff. Usually there's a cutoff of like, okay, we're not signing more than like three copies because you're obviously selling these online. Right. But I don't know if, if he has a limit or not, but like there are people that show up with giant stacks of books and he signs every one of them. Wow. Um, So yeah, like I, or maybe they have to pay for some after so many um, yeah signings just because it's it's a strain on on his his hand. But yeah, like I, I guess it just never occurred to me beforehand that when you do that, yeah, like after, like if you're you're taking the time to write a message with every signature, yeah, and um, that's that's the awesome thing. Like I've seen some people who've gone to like signings and stuff, and the person yeah. just like has a stamp and you know the author or the you know person of interest usually just like stamps whatever be it a picture or something or a book and there you go it's like there's yeah, no well, personalized well, touch to it or anything along those lines well yeah and i mean like you know gaiman i i and i don't know if it's because it's easier to write this way or not um my suspicion is it's probably easier if you know how to write uh with calligraphy mm-hmm. but like he has a special fountain pen that you know he's like yeah this pen has signed like <laughs> nine hundred thousand books or whatever because he's had it for like 20 years right yeah um but yeah like i was just thinking yeah i if if all i had to do was sign books like i could i could probably sign 10 15 000 books because my signature is just very sloppy like it's you know a random set of lines it's never the same <laughs> but like he's he's taking yeah exactly <laughs> but like he's taking the time to write like you know a sentence or two in the book like thank you for yeah, personalizing it and everything yeah, just personalizing it and it's like oh wow that's yeah, that's a much different prospect, but yeah, you know, he's only having to lift the pen like once or twice, <laughs> doing it the way he's doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, oh, uh, yeah. So I did have one last production note. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry again. I know this is jumping around. Yeah, um, I think this is very free flowing, and I kind yeah. of like that. Well, one of the things that I found funny, um. And one of the, the the notes that I found is that, so in the novel, the car that Crowley has, um, <laughs> which I really the one like, that I love the description of Queen. Yeah, yeah, like whatever, whatever music is left in the car just after a week or so becomes Queen's greatest hits. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't know if that's a commentary. Like I don't know if pratchett or gaiman just don't like queen or if they're associating queen with like the devil the devil or whatever because they're a rock band and it's funny or I just think or... it's like because crowley likes queen <laughs> <laughs> well well so so the the not in the car or in the novel the car is a specifically called a 1926 bentley mm-hmm um, but some random gearhead was like, actually, in the TV show, they're using a 1933 model. Um, and apparently, Gaben's reasoning for them changing that was 
yeah, well, neither one of us really knew what a 1926 Bentley looked like. Uh-huh. And the 33 is what we had in mind when we were riding it. When we were riding, so we accidentally, yeah. It's just, it's, it's like, one. it's like, what's well, a seven year difference? And then I, I pulled up a picture of them and it's like, oh yeah, like a, a 1926 Bentley looks way more like a Model T than, than you would think. Um, it's not that giant long hood on it like i still like that car that car looked pretty nice yeah no i really like it too i'm just saying that that like the earlier model car um looks like older like old old cars that are basically like wagons and (laughs) like it's not exactly what they were uh going for which to me is funny because that means that this random gearhead despite the the long descriptions of this car in the book was picturing something completely different yeah or they just piped up because it's the internet <laughs> <laughs> gotta be right on the internet get your but, internet. Uh, but yeah so they because they're the production obviously had to um rent that from a private owner mm-hmm. um there was a valuation uh for the insurance underwriters at 250,000 pounds oh boy yeah (laughs) or was at the time i should say because this is pre-brexit um but but yeah that crazy yeah (laughs) but i mean that car looked really fancy i will say one of um you know i was kind of dogging a little bit on the um uh, digital effects and everything but towards the end of the series i will say one of the digital effects of him like driving through the hellfire uh, yeah to the military base and the car like being on fire and everything like that that was like a really cool shot and you know it looked really good yeah and it uh, ends up like playing it really cool i i loved his performance as crawley i uh, i think you know he Again, I just enjoy him as an actor. I think he does wonderful, um, wonderful like bits and everything like that. But like, yeah. I feel like this, like they picked the perfect person, and just the interaction between him and um, oh, I'm blinking on the other guy's name. Um, uh, my, uh, the actor or the character? Yeah, the actor, uh, Michael Sheen. Yeah, I, I think their interaction as playing these two characters who've known them, you know, known each other for eternity. So good. Like I just, if just watch the, the series for that interaction and I wouldn't blame you. Like it just, I don't know. It felt like they, they were friends forever and it's really hard for, you know, actors to kind of betray that. But I think that they were at such a high caliber that it really just came across over the um, over the screen, and I really enjoyed that. I surprised, but I really enjoyed this entire series. Um, you know, <laughs> again, there are a few like nitpicks here and there. I feel like sure the kid actors aren't the strongest. Really not. The, I feel like that's the weakest. But I mean, they've got the least experience too. So yeah, and luckily, like. I don't know the kid that they had playing Adam. It's a hard role. It really is. Like, you know, you're playing the son of Satan. You have this like moral dilemma where 
you feel like you're a, you know, you're supposed to be a normal kid. And then you find out this, like, just you find this new power and everything like that. Um, I did not find him as menacing as I did in the book. Um, I don't think he kind of portrayed that via those last, like, couple of episodes. But, you know, it is a hard role. Like, you know, and especially for a child actor and everything like that. So I feel like that was kind of on the weak side. But, like, the other actors, um, especially um, um, the prophet and the... um, the military guy um, who was in the witch hunting um, core. Yeah. They were really good. I also enjoyed like the witch hunting core. I loved that. they had. You're so ridiculous. I love the witch finders. (laughs) And, and it's good that they like kept a lot of this, um, the humor um, because it was interesting, uh, at least for me to sort of see the, humor translate into a screen because there's a lot of like footnotes in this um book there's a lot of just like british humor and i was curious to sort of see how they were going to kind of like get that across so i was happy um i i was pleasantly pleased with everything that um that they did with this and, you know, I do really like the narrator, the voice of God, um, because she was able to play off a lot of these, like, funnier parts because she was, like, you know, this omnipresent uh, voice. Um, she could crack jokes. She could, you know, make exactly, yeah. humor or, or make levity out of these, like, apocalyptic um, events. So... So yeah, I you know. when I really like the actress that voiced God, um, Frances McDormand. Mm-hmm. Um, she's in a lot of like Coen Brothers stuff. I think she's actually married to one of the Coen Brothers. Oh, but, I don't know. Um, if you've ever seen Fargo, she's the the detective in that. Like, she's mm-hmm. been in a number of things, but like that's like the role I think that she's most known for. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not know that. But yeah, like I, the like you were saying with the kids actors, like if you're comparing kids who have been acting maybe a year or two to people like Michael Sheen and David Tennant um, and Michael McKean and John Hamm and Nick Offerman. They're going to come up wanting <laughs> um, like it's just going to happen. They're not going to look good. <laughs> I don't think you're watching this series for that. I think. And exactly like you're not watching it for the kid, which is funny because the kids are friends of the antichrist who has powers, but you're not really watching the show for them. Yeah. You're watching the show for Crowley and Ezra fail. And I think, um, at least they knew what they were doing because yeah. the kids like in the book there, I feel like the kids get a lot more, um, time in the book and the show the kids really don't have as much time as um they do in the book so i think they know what they were doing i think they knew that like yeah they're like let's downplay this because like yeah children don't talk like the way that neil gaiman and terry pratchett write them (laughs) exactly exactly so it's gonna look weird (laughs) but again like I really enjoyed this uh, this miniseries. I think it yeah. was like 
the length was perfect. Um, I think the six episodes, they were able to um, tell the story that they wanted to tell. I also really enjoyed, like, a lot of the other, um, like, side actors. Like, there were a couple of, um, uh, it's the Archangel, um... Gabriel? Yeah. Um, I yeah, forget. John Hamm. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed his performance. I, I really thought that he did a great job and everything. And, um... Yeah, I really liked how much of a bully he was, because, yeah, yeah like, Gabriel is wanting Armageddon to happen. Like, yeah. everyone, like, this is the thing that everyone on their sides has been gearing up for, for the history of creation. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think it's hilarious that he's just like, nope, nope, Azrafail, you gotta, you gotta suit up and, yeah. um, and, hey, fall in line. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think it's, uh, like, yeah, the, just just Tenet and Sheen are fantastic as their characters. Yeah, and, um, and there's a lot of, like, real moments, too, of just, like, them eating lunch together. Like, you know, deciding on where they're going oh, to yeah. eat. And, like, I love that they've become so infatuated with um, human culture. Like, because that's so believable. Like, if you are on Earth for thousands of centuries watching us evolve of course you're going to like really get into like the things that are really awesome like brunch and all sorts of other different like activities like they don't even need to eat like i think they were talking about like oh food's kind of a luxury and like a lot of the angels and demons kind of look down on them because they eat so yeah yeah and then even like some of the um the demons and devils were really cool um just sort of like seeing the visual effects of the demons like how they were kind of like these half animal creature things like they had like a very reptilian kind of feel to them and everything they did yeah the um the, the angels are, are kind of boring looking but i feel like the demons all look really cool yeah they're <laughs> Which... visually like, stunning they're like very interesting to me yeah yeah so you know i i just really enjoyed it um i really again enjoyed the acting though i will say that there was one <laughs> one part where i was just like i don't know that kind of drew me out of it um and again like this is super nitpicky it was um when crowley was kind of like everything had happened and he was kind of giving his big speech in his like room and stuff like that. And yeah. you could kind of tell like it was an Oscar moment and everything like that. And it, it had like a combination of that with like the bad CG of like the universe and the world where he was kind of like deciding where he would run off to since he knew that like the end of the world was happening and everything. It was right. a little kind of goofy, but the, again, super nitpicky. Um, I, I don't, you know, I don't think that has any, like, super bad marks on the show. It's just, personally, I was just like, oh, that's kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, everyone has, like, personal nitpicks on what what they they do and, and don't like in a mm -hmm. production. Um, 
I don't I don't really have any nitpicks with this. Um Yeah. I, I mean, mean like you said there there are scenes you can tell like if it were a movie, it would be the like okay buddy you're 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 way too into this scene you're you're really going for that oscar huh <laughs> um, but uh and and yeah like the cg's bad i i don't really pay a whole lot of attention to the cg just because like yeah and... that's not why i'm watching this specific movie like if exactly. i were watching um like transformers and the robots looked really bad um, I, yeah. I would be kind of <laughs> and again, i was saying like the cg is bad it's like it's bad but it doesn't take away anything from this uh series i don't think it's like so jarring where you're just like uh this looks really ugly i think yeah really i mean i feel like it's about on par with other television like it like i said earlier like it's it's like a doctor who or maybe like a legends of tomorrow or a or an agents of shield type show mm -hmm. like it's that cg where you can tell like you can tell it's fake but it's i mean it it it's not offending anyone yeah it's not like a sci-fi movie where they're just like yeah we had a week to build this shark that's like in 90 percent of this movie yeah <laughs> where it's like this is super important we should probably put some effort into it yeah now. exactly like everything looks okay like it, it's it's not gonna like rip any i don't think rip anyone out of it and go well i just i can't watch this story because that fire doesn't look real yeah yeah um yeah. but all in all i think the show is fantastic. Um, I would highly same. recommend it to anybody. Yeah, um, same. I think it's really easy to kind of get into. You don't need to, like, have read the book or, you know, know about these particular characters or anything like that. Um, it's, I think, something that people can easily, like, watch and enjoy. Um and it doesn't have that, like, such obscure British humor. I know some, like, some shows have, like, that really, you know, obscure humor where it's like, well, I'm not from Britain. I don't really know the culture. So, like, yeah, that on me. Um, I don't think there's any of that. I think it's very accessible for anybody. Um and yeah, I, I highly recommend it to anybody, um, especially, you know, people who don't enjoy reading, who just kind of want a, a very light, um, enjoyable show. Yeah. And again, like with it only being six episodes, it's very bingeable. Like you could sit and like watch it again in a day if you wanted to. I don't oh, recommend yeah. it you could yeah you like i think we watched it over the course of maybe two days like we we watched you know a handful of episodes here and then like the weekend we finished it out yeah um but like again some of like my favorite parts were just like the interaction uh, i love the ending of this um again i know we haven't talked too much about it but here's like a spoiler ish warning um definitely go and watch it but if you've already watched it uh one of my favorite parts was at the very ending when they end up swapping places with each other yeah uh, yeah and you know because they're punishing them for their um 
misdeeds in this whole apocalyptic thing. So they're going to throw like Crowley into holy water. But since it's not Crowley, it's um the angels uh Yeah, Azrafail has made himself look like Crowley. <laughs> and Crowley has made himself look like Azrafail. And they were punishing Azrafail with uh demon fire. But again, it's Crowley, so he's like, I'm okay with this. <laughs> and then, yeah, they're dumping, like, holy water on uh, Crowley, but it's Azervale, so he's like, nah, I'm all right. Well, like, they, they actually get banished. Like, they're they're kind of... Um, like, I, I find it interesting that, like, their positions initially were to stay on Earth because humans got kicked out of the garden, right? Yeah. Um, but now they, they stay on earth because they're the ones who have been banished like heaven and hell when, when they, because they, they're not entirely sure how they, how I, they're I doing. They're banished. I think, um, it's like the sense I got is that heaven and hell were kind of agreeing to leave them alone on earth because they're like, I don't know how you're doing that. Um, you're probably more corrupted than we thought. <laughs> I think uh, they there's not a place here. People to, or they still wanted them to kind of like watch and observe what, um, you know, what the earthlings or humans were doing and stuff like that. At least yeah. that's kind of what I got. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. But yeah. So I don't uh, personally think that they were banished, but again, that's kind of my understanding of it. Yeah. Well, so the the ending portion that I liked was was the at the end of the show when um, Anathema and the the Witchfinder kind of survive the yeah. end of the world, um, and I like the bit where you know Anathema gets gets the um, the updated prophecies oh, yeah. and then just destroys it. <laughs> yeah. Just because, I, like, the, it, it hasn't really helped in any way for them mm-hmm. to have this book. So, yeah, like, she's just getting rid of it and, and living in a world without prophecy, because... Yeah, I, I also really enjoyed that. Um, I, I really enjoyed, like, their their whole interaction between the two of them. I loved, like, the witch finders, the crazy old guy and everything like that, with all of his, like... <laughs> He's you know so superstitions yeah like these weird like witch finding superstitions of like oh you gotta like prick them and see if they bleed or something along those lines it's yeah it is really great and it's just it's really funny um yeah and yeah i i really enjoyed it and i thought that like that whole aspect was really good and yeah i mean just all in all i really enjoyed this uh series Oh yeah, me too. Me too. Mm-hmm. Um, I I definitely highly recommend it. Um, and since I guess we've we've recommended it, um, do you want to talk about me me me's? Yeah, we can go for those. Yeah. Uh, did you want to start or did you want me to? Sure, I can start. Um, again, I haven't been doing too terribly much, but um, so I started watching this series on Netflix. Um. Apparently, I guess it was an order series. It's Unsolved Mysteries. Um, I had never really gotten into it um, when I guess it was previously on the air. 
but um but yeah i've i've really enjoyed that um i've only watched two episodes so far um but it's been really enjoyable it's been something that um uh i mean it kind of sucks that like they never have any resolutions at the end but um i mean <laughs> yeah they're all unsolved yeah, yeah. So. but it's just kind of interesting to sort of see like different angles of like you know what people expect and stuff like that and like motivations and um it's it's interesting like there's this one case where they think that this guy has been or this guy has committed suicide but it clearly looks like he hasn't um, yeah actually but... so we we watched all of that um oh, okay let's do you want to spoil the first episode um because the first maybe episode we could actually do that for like in a uh a uh, podcast episode like oh we okay could do like a whole on the whole series and stuff like that oh then, okay well then yeah yeah i i back you up that that, that show is awesome um mm-hmm. It sucks that there's only like eight episodes. Yeah. Did you ever episodes. watch any of the um the previous ones? Um, not so. The, they terrified me when I was a kid because no. I. Well, I feel like <laughs> no. They, I, I totally understand. I'm not well, like, laughing at you. I'm just like, yeah. Well, like, I, could when see I was that. like aware of it being on and a thing. Um, they weren't necessarily episodes focused on. Um like murders or like true crime and stuff like that it was like there are lizards in your bedroom and they're going to take over the world and they're from another planet it's like i don't uh what yeah that's pretty intense (laughs) yeah especially for like someone who was like six or seven yeah i'm no no this is terrifying to me i don't want to watch it but like part of me wants to go back because i know on um amazon they have the old show oh okay Huh. With with Robert Stack in his trench coat. Did you know that's that's who that was in the opening? No. Huh. Yeah. They so they they have like this this. I mean, it's a silhouette of him, but it's clearly Robert Stack in his his trench coat about yeah. to introduce the episode. <laughs> huh. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. But yeah. So I you're mean, liking I've, it? Yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it. Um. Again, it's you know it is. I do like a good resolution, so it's kind of like frustrating, like because again, I mean, unsolved it's mystery. Name, so, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I know, um, <laughs> but it, it is like a really good um, uh, show. Uh, I really yeah. enjoy it, and I've really been having a fun time just kind of watching it. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, I, I would recommend it to to somebody who would be interested in watching it um yeah it's it's again interesting to sort of see like different perspectives of people um there's one that's like in cummings georgia which is kind of close to home and everything like that yeah uh, it's, <laughs> yeah and then it's i don't know like and again i don't want to spoil anything but like they talk to like so this this woman dies and her ex ends up like having her remains and he's like i sleep with them and it's like oh that's that's kind of weird like why would you omit that on tv i don't like understand like what's going through your mind when you're like 
this will make me look good when I admit that I sleep with my, you know, ex-wife's remains. Yeah, that guy, um... He's a creepster. He's very, very creepy. Um... Yeah, I remember that, that, um episode not really sitting right with me i was just like i don't know how i feel about this guy (laughs) Mm, yeah but yeah um all in all it's it's interesting um it's definitely something that i wouldn't be able to binge just because sometimes the episodes make me not feel great so you know (laughs) but um but yeah yeah, so I've oh, been watching you've that. Only seen the first two episodes. If you're watching them in order, um, mm-hmm. the third one is something that I remember happening. Um, hmm. Because like it was all over the news, yeah. even here in America. But it's it's set in France, and it is horrifying. Oh, <laughs> just as a heads up. <laughs> yeah. Well, how? Uh-huh be interested to sort of see where where that goes yeah you may want to break that one up over several watches just because it's it's not um an it's easy not a, ride okay yeah. good to know <laughs> yeah <laughs> um oh um was was that it on... yeah that's, okay that's pretty much it for me um so i let's see i have watched a couple movies um the first well, i one... mean that's that's one for for that section yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll i have one more thing but yeah okay <laughs> um well so so i um watched a couple movies and i'm not going to dwell too much on them because I, I think they'd be good fodder for um future episodes mm-hmm. um, but one of them is under the silver lake um it's kind of this neo-noir um movie about a guy investigating his his area um in silver lake with hmm. with mysteries that abound right yeah um andrew garfield plays a character he was spider-man he, he was spider-man for the amazing spider-man movies oh, okay. um, but it's really good it's um directed by uh david robert mitchell who did um it's his follow-up to it follows hmm. mm-hmm. um I don't think it, it, if it came out in theaters, it did not do very well at all. Um, and I can see why, like it's a two and a half hour movie. And oh yeah. <laughs> it's well, so it's, it's the type of weird that I like, like watching it. Um, I don't know. I remember you playing it, but I can't remember if you really enjoyed it or not. Um, Unknown Armies. Oh yeah. I enjoyed it. So it, it's, it's like watching it it seems like an unknown armies story. Oh, that's kind of cool. Um, it, it, cause it's, it's like, there's one level of reality that everyone's operating under. Mm-hmm. And this guy is investigating things that take him into that, that level of reality that kind of just exists beneath the surface. Yeah. Like the weird, strange one. Or anything, but it's just like, it's yeah, there's not like magicians or mancers or anything like that, but it's, it's just like, weird stuff i guess kind of like warren ellis type mm-hmm. work um and then the other one is a show or a movie called uh, five elements ninjas <laughs> okay it's, it's very short um it's basically so it's it's an old um i think it's a shaw brothers film 
Um, but it's an old Kung Fu movie and it's kind of Mortal Kombat-y. Like there are these warring ninja clans and all of them have like special attacks and special style. <laughs> Sounds like um, Naruto. <laughs> kind of. It's it's like a it's like an eighty minute Naruto. Um, <laughs> it's a very short movie. Yeah. Like I, I don't think it's technically feature length anymore. But like this movie came out in like seventy two or something, hmm. um, or maybe eighty two. Anyway, but before like that was a thing. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's really good it's very gory <laughs> um yeah. it's kind of the epitome of of you know a kung fu film yeah oh interesting but yeah i kind of want to save those for later because i think both of those are things that that you and i would have a lot to to uh discuss, to discuss. About. yeah <laughs> yeah nice yeah uh did, what was your your next thing so my next thing was um so I was watching, occasionally I watch uh, YouTube videos on like anime and stuff like that, just to sort of like weed through um, series just so like I can kind of know what what's a good series to watch and things like that. Um, sure. Yeah, just so I don't have to like kind of go through and like watch a show and then be like, oh, well, that wasn't that great. Um, <laughs> let me you know try something else um so i ended up um doing some research about this one particular um anime and it's called tower of god which is interesting um huh. the thing that's really interesting about it is it's an adaptation of a korean uh webcomic so it's one of the first adaptations, like anime adaptations, of Korean work. Usually most um, like anime will be adapted from like manga or something along those lines, or like Japanese um, literature or something. Um, yeah, because there is kind of a tension culturally between the two. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so this is one of the ones that really kind of like broke through and i was like oh that that sounds kind of cool it's um it's a, a weird um concept of like the main protagonist is trying to get through this tower um and the tower is basically if you reach the top of the tower you get one wish be it like all the money in the world not all the money but like riches power eternal life or something like that so a lot of people um around the city around this tower um get chosen to enter into the tower and they're called regulars but um the main character ends up um being able to find his way into the tower by his own like volition because he's trying to find this uh one character that he's really attached to yeah um so he's called like an irregular so i was like oh that's really cool i would love to watch that and in like the description of it it's like well yeah they've got like one season of it and it did okay so they're not sure if it's going to like do another season of it um like an adaptation but they're like what the webcomic has like a hundred and ten, like, I guess, 
quote unquote like episodes um but like they're long uh like comics <laughs> yeah so i was like you know what screw it i'm going to bypass the actual like anime i'm just going to read the original um korean uh comic because it's been translated and it's you know on like webtoons and everything like that so i've been giving it a read i'm on i guess comic number 22 and it's been really good i i've really enjoyed it um it's definitely a lot faster than like actually watching the anime and everything um i will say the protagonist does um suffer from protagonist problems like standard anime protagonist problems yeah of like (laughs) i'm dumb and you know i'm not going to use my power to the fullest and like i can't really handle this situation but i also enjoy like so each the like um to get up to another floor of the tower you have to pass a test that's administrated by like the tower uh administrative people and like the tests, some of them are physical-based and some of them are mental-based. So there's some, like, puzzles to it. Um, and I find those really interesting, like the problem-solving sort of puzzles and, like, kind of going through um, and having these character developments. He ends up getting on a team. And I really love, like, one of his team members. It's like a giant crocodile who just <laughs> wants to fight things, like... He doesn't even care about getting up to the top of the tower. He's just like looking for a good battle and everything like that. He's hilarious. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I really enjoy like the other characters. Like the main characters, eh. But like all of like the side characters are really interesting because they're very unique and this world's very like strange and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's been a lot of fun like just kind of reading it. It's the first time I've really like deep dived into a um i guess an anime kind of like web comic um i've definitely read like a couple of other web comics like the devil's panties and uh penny arcade and vg cats and stuff like that but that's not like i wouldn't really consider that like a story-based comic yeah those are more like sunday strips (laughs) yeah yeah so um I've been really enjoying it and i think it's um really interesting and i'm probably going to finish it as you know i can kind of take my time with it and everything okay yeah um well so um let's see so i've got like three more things mm-hmm. um the uh so again this this next one is something that i think we could cover more fully but i kind of want there to be more out there for us to cover mm-hmm. but um the uh, the witcher tv show oh yeah i have not okay um so it's it's really good <laughs> um yeah. i'm sucked into it it's uh and given the the amount of fan hoopla over it uh that's that's been going on online you know i was kind of skeptical i was like okay um yeah well, i can see there are like the types of fans that this show has, but um, it's it's actually really good. Hmm. Uh, it adapts. Have you ever played those games before? Yeah, so I've oh. I've played the second one and the third one. Um, okay. It's less an adaptation of the games and more adaptations of the books. Hmm, interesting. Um, which yeah, it's interesting. I I don't know if 
the books because the books came out before the game right yes yeah okay. so um yeah and and kind of famously i think the guy had to walk this back recently as the netflix show was coming out because mm-hmm. so many fans were complaining about it online but the the author of the books um gave the rights to cd project red or cd project red um like he sold them to them for an insanely cheap amount and forever because he's like no one plays video games no one's going to give a shit about this yeah and then so yeah he like he sold them the right like it was a ridiculously low amount of money like Mm -hmm. like five or six thousand the equivalent of five or six thousand dollars and it's like they just have it forever as long as it's just a video game that they're adapting yeah (laughs) but uh but yeah no they so this show is a an adaptation of the um books i know when the pre-production like like the costume fittings and stuff like that were coming out Mm -hmm. i was very suspicious of it because i was like he's very clearly wearing a wig and i've seen better Geralt um cosplayers Cosplay <laughs> and, and uh, what his costume looks like but the sh- in the show it actually looks fine yeah um, okay like i don't know if maybe netflix was just sharing some stills to kind of get some audience feedback <laughs> of how cheaply we can do th- oh no okay so people want actually good special <laughs> maybe maybe we should make this better yeah exactly yeah um, uh i want to say that in the show he doesn't you know because in the games there's a big deal about like the two different types of swords that he has um -hmm. yeah like one one is silver and will only work against a certain type of monster like so you have to be judicious in which one you use Mm -hmm. um in the show i think they just have the one sword like because why why would they bother going into that like so so there are minor differences but um all in all i like it especially because it plays with where things happen on a timeline Mm -hmm. uh like there's the story itself spans like i want to say like 80 or 90 years Hmm. wow um geez because not all of it is focused on Geralt. like it's focused on this world oh Uh, which yeah, I, I really like. I appreciate that they that they did that because it kind of came out of left field for me. And at first, I was like, "That's dumb. Why wouldn't they?" Blah 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 blah. And then you know, a couple episodes later, I was just like, "That was the right decision." Yeah, was, yeah. <laughs> they know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I feel like that one is something that that we could probably discuss. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Or, I mean. Like, I've never played the games before, so... Oh, you haven't? No, I haven't, yeah. So that would be, you know, definitely interesting for me, since, again, I'd be kind of going in blind, so... Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's probably the best way to go in, because, like, you don't have lore already built up in your head where you're, like, dissecting it. Which, I mean, I don't either, because, like I said, it's based on the books. I've never read the books. Mm -hmm. Um and i'm only like passingly familiar with the games <laughs> like i'm not yeah. a or anything it's not like it's gotta be perfect yeah i mean i just i i like a good story so if they tell a good story it's fine <laughs> yeah 
I don't think that I'm difficult to please. I, I feel like if, if you at least give a story that makes sense and is engaging, um, that, you're going to be on board. Yeah, yeah. Like I'll be fine with it. Like kind of like what we were talking about with good omens, like the CG effects didn't really bother me. Um, yeah. The like in, in, in the Witcher, the, uh, the effects are, are fantastic, but I think that's because Netflix just blows through their money. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, <laughs> they're you want not... how much money? Sure, we've got that yeah. in our left pocket. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you want a 10 episode series? Great. How does uh, $300 million? <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you're only asking for $2 million. Bah, have it. Bah, have it. Yeah, it's, it's like they're playing with other people's money. <laughs> yeah. Insane. Um, but yeah, no, like that's a really good show and I do recommend it. Okay. Um, nice. Did you have another? Um... I was probably going to save some stuff for uh, next time. Okay. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Um, so the last two things will, will be really quick. Um, mm-hmm. I just wanted to, with the ongoing saga of me playing through um, the Uncharted series, I, yeah. <laughs> I played through um, Uncharted Lost Legacy. Um, I kind of wish that that was Uncharted 4. Because... Oh. I don't know if you remember me saying or not, but with Uncharted 4, like, my main problem with it is that it's, on how long to beat, at least, it's 22 hours. Mm-hmm. For that is way too long for an action yeah. game, in my <laughs> opinion. Uh, because, like, there were large sections where it's just like, I don't, like, I mean, I know what's going to happen is I'm going to get there and then I'm going to get ambushed and then i'm gonna lose the thing and sure enough that happens yeah and then i have to go to this other place it doesn't matter <laughs> um, yeah and you're just like great. yeah <laughs> because i mean they're trying to do the globe trotting thing but it's like the the spaces you go to in uncharted 4 because they're going for realism are just big muddy dirt piles with some vegetation around them so it's just like oh yeah this section looks really great i guess like yeah the dust goes down the hill <laughs> yeah cool. um, so lost legacy uh like i said i wish it was the fourth one because it's actually really good mm-hmm. um i'm looking at how long to beat right now the main story uh is about seven hours and Jeez. to me that feels like the perfect amount like you can do a completionist run yeah and it takes 16 hours yeah that's so that's fine much, i mean yeah like seven hours I, I don't know like i'm and granted seven I'm not, hours is kind of short that's why i said geez was like you know it's i don't know so, so how much are they oh well so lost legacy uh when it came out was not a full price game like okay. it was priced like dlc it was like 25 or 30 um uh, i mean for- i I got it for four ninety nine. Um, yeah, which is fine. Like you know, yeah. I think that if you get it on a discount, that's definitely better. But like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, well, so like, I don't know. The story is paced much better, and also it, it helps. You're only in one region of the country. Like you're only in India. Mm-hmm. Um, but it takes two characters who um were kind of villains and like so so one of the characters is definitely a villain in the last one mm-hmm. um and then the other one is kind of, like she's kind of a morally gray character um 
but like their back and forth is is good like they they seem engaging as as characters yeah. um and i like the way it's set up because basically the the way it works once you get past the introduction where you know they're telling you how to play the game um yeah. <laughs> you're in this kind of large world map and you have a choice of like how like how to progress and that like okay once you're in this world map um there are six or seven spots you need to go to on your map mm-hmm. and the characters once you complete them will check them off and they're they're basically they work like chalice dungeons and dark souls um i mean not as difficult as dark souls but like you mm-hmm. go to the thing you pick yeah. up whatever whatever item you're need you're needing or looking for mm-hmm. and then you're done and like you go back to the beginning and you continue on with the game yeah. um but there's only like five or six in this large world map and then a second map opens up and then the last like i don't know two hours of the game or move on from there um but like it's a complete story um i could see people being pissed off if if they had charged like 60 for it when it came out yeah and it's pretty much a dlc it's built in the same engine as uncharted 4 Mm -hmm. uh with the same assets um so i don't know like it it just um it was the perfect length for me because like i said uncharted 4 i think was like 22 or 24 hours or somewhere in that time range yeah which is too long long. (laughs) i will say like seven hours is kind of short but uh well well so like i said you can do completionist um there is multiplayer on it um and a completionist run will, will go 16 hours um mm-hmm. i don't know how like what that the completionist portion entails um but you know like i feel like a, that's fine if, if people want to double their game time because i'm i'm not like you know a kid that gets two games a year like a a birthday game and a christmas game so i don't need like 150 200 hour games like i'm fine with playing through a complete story and being like okay that was a really well done game yeah (laughs) i am satisfied yeah and again like i don't you know as long as it's priced well i just i personally would probably feel a little underwhelmed if i spent like you know $60 $60 for a game because now a, f- a game is like 60 bucks. Um, and it was only like seven hours. I'd be like, mm, I don't know. Oh, yeah, like exactly. It's, yeah. it's, um, it's one thing if they had charged like, Four, like Hideo yeah. Kojima did with, um, the Metal Gear Solid 5, where, yeah, <laughs> he released like a playground and it was a full price game. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, um, I got the feel bads. Yeah, well, and I think part of it too, because I'm looking at, at it now, and um, the part of it I think is that the the it wasn't Neil Druckmann doing the the writing. So mm. like, you know, when he took over for like he he he, in my opinion, he tends to masturbate about how deep his story is yeah but it's not because like everyone raves over last of us one Uh and i 
to be honest, I think it's a shit game. <laughs> um, We're not going to go I down that road. <laughs> well, I haven't played the second one. Um, yeah, I've heard. Like, so well, like, things. like to me, just in terms of, of it being a game, like the first one, I mean, like my problem with it is that it's very apparent that what he wants to do is write a movie or write a TV show and you playing the game is incidental to him telling you his story story. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's like, well, that's not fun for me at least. Like, I don't, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't see why people love the last of us franchise as much as they do like it's a cool world it'd be a cool movie or a cool show yeah. but I, I don't think it makes for a good game personally um yeah i've never so played the like last of us else. so well and i feel like someone else writing uncharted lost legacy uh is a is a strength um because they they very obviously uh understand yeah people want to play and like there's you we should have a good story that makes sense mm-hmm. um but we have one location and you know we're going to tell a very tight-knit uh very very quick-paced story and we're going to get in get out and you're going to care about the characters like like the their their incidental dialogue between the two characters really make gives you a sense of like them slowly becoming friends mm-hmm. like they seem like real characters or real people rather yeah um which is not an easy feat to pull off so uh, i do recommend it but like i said how long to beat has it as beating the main story in seven hours so if you don't like short games you probably won't like it mm-hmm. uh and then the last thing i did is probably a quick thing i'll probably post some pictures too but um oh. i got into painting minis oh nice um, yeah, like uh, a while ago, I had a subscription to like an RPG crate and yeah. they would include these like die cast minis. Um, and then when with everything going yeah. into quarantine for my birthday, one of the things I did was I was like, you know what, I'm going to buy like an introductory level starter paint set for like the D&D thing, because it comes with a little plastic mini and like a like a color guide of like, this is the order you should kind of stay in when you paint this character. And like, this is, this is the the most efficient way of, of painting this character. So you're not having to go back over a million times. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because like, and I'm, I will say like, I am not very good at it because I've only just started, but like, yeah, I mean, it, when you start a new talent, it's not like you're going to be fantastic at the very beginning yeah like my color blocking is kind of off um like my hands kind of shake but i so i was like i can't like i'm straining my eyes so i like i go on amazon and i get this like 8x magnifier and i'm like oh this is great nice and then i'm painting the next figure and then i'm like man i have a lot of paint on my hands because i'm like (laughs) having to hold the base and stuff and so i look up and i'm like oh well shit they make a handle that will clamp around the bottom of it and hold it so you're not so like i think i'm fully in the hobby (laughs) i was like at first i was just like i gotta get these paints and i have a couple brushes and and then i was like well i need finer tips for my brushes so i got more brushes then i got the magnifying glass and i got the the handle and now i'm like i like on my amazon i'm like okay now i gotta get the more paint sets because like the like nine or ten that i have like they're they're not nuanced enough for what i want to paint 
paint with yeah. them. I have some washes <laughs> coming on the way so I can do some shading and make the skin uh, tones look like real skin tones. That's awesome. But of that the like amazing. Of the like seven or eight characters that I painted, like there are three that I'm actually really proud of and I'm like, this yeah. is really cool. Like this I would actually be than I <laughs> really interested in uh seeing some of those. Um it's yeah, funny. I'll I share them once I like do a shit like a like a wash on them and and seal it so that it actually looks like a mini because right now it's just the straight colors. Yeah. And so it it looks like it looks like if you were to like color something with crayon, <laughs> right? <laughs> like it's it's very Still, like that's impressive. That's yeah, that's very impressive. And you know it's it's interesting. Um, uh, with this, I've got two tangents. First tangent. Oh, go ahead. Um, um so i've also gotten into a i guess a strange ish hobby um so i i love coffee I, i've been a big fan of like coffee and stuff like that i drink my coffee uh, black because i actually enjoy coffee and um i was doing some like reading of articles and stuff along those lines and i found this thing of like oh well apparently if you like you know, get a grinder, the coffee's a lot fresher, you can like mm -hmm. grind up your own coffee and things like that. And then I started like going to YouTube about um, like, what what's the best kind of like grinder and stuff like that. And I found this like, fantastic guy, I need to I pull it up right now. Um, he like does all these like, uh, videos about like coffee. Um, He's from like Portland and everything, um, which is again not a surprise. I mean, um, the Northwest is like the mecca for, or the the U.S. like hub, I guess, of of uh, the coffee trade. <laughs> yeah, and he had like this guide about like grinders. He's like, oh well, you know, you should really get like a hand grinder because it's a mm -hmm. lot more you know effective you can get it a little bit cheaper it makes your coffee can like change the variance to make it more like fine or a little bit more grounded yeah so i ended up getting like a coffee grinder off of amazon did you get like, a hand well, crank one yeah i got a hand crank one because yeah. you know gotta gotta do that gotta get that fancy hand crank well, to, to piggyback off this first tangent, like my wife has gotten, which you guys will have to talk when we can actually see each other again, yeah. <laughs> because she's gotten way into doing doing her own coffee. Um, yeah, it's and it's so amazing. like the hand crank, like she will be watching something, and because she has it pretty like set pretty pretty fine, mm -hmm. um, because she use, she does the uh, the I think it's pour over type. Oh yeah, so does she have um. Does she have a machine or did she get like one of the, um, the like glass well, so there's, vases? So there's the, this vase that she puts a cone in to catch mm -hmm. the grounds and then she, she pours into that and it kind of drains into a second. It's probably a Chemex, right? I'm uh, guessing I, it's I a Chemex. I not tell you. <laughs> because I was looking at the same thing, um, end up like becoming a chemist in, uh, coffee but there's the difference between a chemex and a hario and i actually got the hario crusher which is a japanese based um bean crusher i um, mean it's one of the i guess more not high-end but the low high-end one um 
And uh, yeah, I've been looking at this Kimex, and I was like, oh yeah, that that might be good. No, like it's not glass. Um, let's see. Oh, James Hoffman. Uh, he's got like red thick glasses and interesting like comb over. You, you should tell your wife about James Hoffman. Look him up on YouTube. Uh, okay. He's a. Uh, <laughs> He definitely well, has like, some interesting like coffee tips and stuff like well, that. Well, like the uh, the hand crank that that she has, like it's it's set fine enough that like you can just kind of slowly do it, but it takes mm -hmm. a long time to fill up like you know the, what would fit in a glass bottle the size of your hand, right? Mm -hmm. Of coffee grounds. Yeah. Um, so we'll just be watching something on television, and, and you hear the her would. Well, no, like yeah. we'll, we'll just take turns grinding it because like i said it's fine and so it, it doesn't make a whole lot of noise oh see um, this one's because it's got like the um uh the burrs in it so the crushing gears and it's yeah. um it's uh ceramic which is you know uh, a lot better material because you don't get like any foreign material or anything in that yeah um this thing grinds fantastic um i usually do a pretty fine uh coffee as well and um it takes me about like five minutes to grind up a uh, about four cups of coffee and i don't drink all four cups of coffee i i uh i pass one of the cups <laughs> off to somebody else but um but i'm usually drinking about like three cups of coffee uh but yeah and then i um i'm a big fan of like mill eastern sort of style beans so yeah. i went to my uh local uh coffee shop um and i ended up getting some like really fine beans oh man these beans are fantastic i really love that kind of like uh i guess darker roast um it's really got like a strong taste to it oh man i i've just i've i've fallen in love with this kind of um uh beans and everything and it's really been very enjoyable and yeah i've, I've kind of gone on that whole like coffee kick well yeah like she she gets her her beans from because they they actually will do deliveries um oh. especially with the pandemic um uh drogo coffee and tea hmm interesting um, I'll have to look they, them up. they sell like loose leaf and so she'll she'll every now and then get like loose leaf tea and like a you know a pound of whole beans and we'll grind them and, and hmm. that that usually lasts her a while i'm a big fan of cold brew um mm -hmm. so i just get like the chameleon brand concentrate and yeah. we'll add like almond milk to kind of cut the because it's it's concentrate like it's made yeah. milk but like if i'm drinking um like hot coffee like i'll do black maybe a thing of stevia if if it's available um yeah i like i just prefer like I just straight up coffee i mean i just I really love the taste of coffee. Yeah, with the um, the cold brew though, like I kind of have to mix it with milk just because of the like it's it's a concentrated format. Of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, um, I totally understand. But yeah, like I, I wish that we had the uh, like a coffee pot so I could just make big batches of cold brew myself. Which that that's probably the next thing that that we'll look into. Yeah, so my next thing is probably going to be a a Cario or a Chemex, so I can uh, definitely um, chemical it up. But yeah, I mean, this guy like talks about like scales. He talks about the ratio of like water. 
um, versus how much grounds. He also talks about like, because there's a, a way for your um, coffee to bloom in the, um, in the process because okay. you know it's oxidizing um as you're pouring it on top of the filter the um yeah. paper filter in the like kind of vase uh thing you're supposed mm -hmm. to take a spoon and you're supposed to allow the grounds to oxidize as you do the initial like pour and everything like that um it's it's really given me a lot of um interesting uh i guess perspectives not perspectives but i guess interesting uh, takes on how to, you know, use coffee and everything and make coffee. So I, I really like this guy. I think he's a, a very interesting um, watch. So I would recommend if uh, John Hoffman, if you're big into coffee and okay. yeah, it's, it's been um, a good watch, but yeah, it's, it's definitely been a, a rabbit hole that I've, I've dived deep into. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that 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 was that was it for me. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, yeah, the the in painting minis, like the the new hobby that I came up with is is uh or not came up with, but came upon rather. Um, yeah, that's your deep, that deep dive. Yeah, yeah, like that. It well, it's funny. Like it just started out to to me. It's it's funny at least that it started out very slowly. Where it's just like I was like, yeah, I'll give it a try. See if I'm gonna get like my handshake or whatever. But but I'm having fun at least. Mm -hmm. And um. And then I'm like, well, now I need this, and now I need this, and now and it's like, well, I guess I'm full on into this now. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, Warhammer 40k. I know that's like another big like mini game stuff. Yeah, they just came out with their new edition, their ninth edition. So what? Yeah, how is it any functionally different than the eighth edition? I don't know. I never really got big into Warhammer, so you'd have to well, check it's funny, it out. We, we, I we have a friend that um yeah who's kind of oh, Warhammer uh like well we have a friend who's like only into Warhammer for the painting like I don't think he actually plays but he just like finds it calming to paint yeah the miniatures and so so you can always dive into that I don't know how expensive those uh, minis are I'm sure they're probably uh, they're ungodly really expensive like for you to have a a fieldable army that's like that's a regulation for like a match or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like you're talking like a seven or eight hundred dollar buy-in. Like it's insane. Ooh, 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 ooh. Um, and that's... also like there are some matches like if you're playing for realsies, realsies like in a tournament, not just like bullshitting with your friends. Um, there are people that get so anal about the the figures and how that they look regulation that they will dock you win points if your armies are not painted to the regulation uh that's, standards that games workshop puts out that's kind of crazy yeah it's like well, i so mean what not if I want, to what if I again, want an army of pink and white space marines like yeah i can't do that now okay well yeah I'm not but again not game. to like yuck anybody's <laughs> yum i mean it could be something that you know other people are big into but it seems yeah. intense intense enough where i would probably pass on it <laughs> yeah it's like no nah, i'm not gonna do that like i don't care what the minis look like like someone could be playing minis like that are unpainted like as long as you're having fun yeah i don't yeah. see why you would knock anyone points but eh. yeah oh well uh <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, the current book club book is uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will discuss that probably in a couple weeks. So um, until then, uh, you can find us on email, Facebook. Uh, I don't think I have an Instagram set up. But, uh, and on Podbean uh, is Backray Super Show, four separate words. Uh, our Gmail is BackrowSuperShow at gmail.com. Um, mm-hmm. We don't have a convention calendar yet. Um, yeah. Because of the pandemic. <laughs> There's a lot of things doing online cons, so maybe we can do that in the future. Um, yeah, um, I know we're probably running a little late, but um, yeah, I yeah, um, I know that DragonCon um, has finally decided that they are not going to have their convention. Um, they're going to do a digital one, which you know, good for them, yeah. good for them for making that decision. I know it was probably difficult, but um, that's one that I'm definitely going to try to. Um, participate or not participate but like you know um like attend attend, yeah digitally so so yeah maybe that could be one that we could you know talk about because it's going to be free yeah yeah so yeah we'll we'll, um update the facebook uh with that um i just need to to look in into the dates on some of these and and yeah we can definitely uh cover those that way because this is kind of unprecedented territory (laughs) yeah which is unfortunate but uh, yeah, we'll uh, see you guys in a couple weeks, and uh, yeah, be kind to everybody, and um, yeah, love you all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, bye. bye.